Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. When our boys were born, Clark and I lived about two blocks from Zoo Atlanta, and we got annual memberships, and I cannot imagine that there's ever been a family that got its money's worth more than we did. We were at that zoo pretty much every week. And so all things wild animal became just crucial to our storytelling and our game playing, and that was just a thread of our household life. So when our older son was about three and a half years old, he was deeply into predator-prey scenarios. And he said to me, his default playmate one afternoon, okay, mommy, you be the mommy elephant and I'll be the leopard, and I will sneak up and pounce on you and gobble up you and your baby. It's worth noting that this was shortly after Malcolm became a big brother. (laughs) So, figuring it was better for any kind of aggression to be worked out in this way rather than in some other way, I went along with the plan, uh, being pounced on and trying to fend off my attacker while also making sure he didn't hurt his little head. And eventually I said, you know, Malcolm, elephants can be pretty fierce too. No, 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 think about it. Think about when you've seen them up close, how thick their skin is and how big their feet are. With all this pouncing, the elephant might just turn around and step on that leopard. Okay, mommy, you be the leopard. (laughs) And so we played it that way for a while until it occurred to me that this was a great opportunity to teach about cooperation. You know, Malcolm, maybe the animals would like to be friends with each other. No, no, think about it, think about it. Suppose there was some time when they needed to, you know, help each other. Suppose um, a poacher came along and they needed to work together. So the elephant, I could come charging out with my big strong tusks and then the leopard could jump out of the bushes with its long strong claws. And so Malcolm said, okay mommy, you be the poacher. (laughs) Never underestimate a preschooler's instinct for raw power. Interestingly, Once Malcolm matured beyond preschool priorities and grew up to become an educator, he sometimes had to talk with students who had been fighting. And part of his counsel to these kids has been, why would you let someone provoke you to violence? Why are you giving them that kind of power over your choices? As I pondered the concept of Reign of Christ Sunday, also known as Christ the King Sunday, I've been thinking about various kinds of power and about how the church is called to help us all be clear about what power source we are to rely upon. Because the power that leads to violence stands in opposition to the true power that comes from God. 
Both of this morning's passages offer us this contrast, earthly power and its abuses versus the kind of power that has God as its power source. In the gospel passage that Mickey read, we witness Jesus' power encountering Pilate's power, power that, as Jesus puts it, is not from this world, confronts power that is thoroughly of this world. Pilate is the local representative of the Roman Empire, an economic, military, culturally dominating power. Jesus is the local representative of the reign of God, appearing totally powerless. In fact, the exchange that we heard this morning is a snippet from the larger scene that we usually hear during Holy Week because it culminates in Jesus being led off to a violent death. Violence and death, that's the power source for Pilate's brand of power. And in our Old Testament passage, the question is pretty much the same. What is the ultimate source of power? David, for all his faults, knows that his power comes from God. Long before David was a lofty king, he was a lowly shepherd. But God anointed him. And as 1 Samuel 16 puts it, the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. David then proceeds to live his life plugged into both power sources. David can be faithful and righteous, worshiping God with tremendous fervor. David can also be self-indulgent and violent, deploying earthly power with a ruthlessness that would make the mafia blush. Here at the end of his power-driven life, in a poem that's known as The Last Words of David, David sounds like he's boasting, referring to himself as God's favorite and declaring that one who rules people justly is like the light of morning, is not my house like this with God. Anyone who knows David's exploits, including his brutish violence toward Bathsheba and Uriah, Anyone who knows that wants to raise their hand and say, no, no, David, your house is not like the light of morning. And we'd be justified in saying that. But we're meant to hear David linking his power to God and God's covenant with him. When David says, is not my house like this with God, he immediately goes on to say, for God has made with me an everlasting covenant. In other words, the power of David's house, that lineage that culminates in the birth of the one whose advent we celebrate beginning next Sunday, the power of David's house is from his covenant with God. And in these, his last words, David recalls that whenever he's been at his best, his most faithful, whenever he has ruled justly, it has been when he remembers that he belongs to God. David is like a poster child for living as a beloved, forgiven sinner, which is what we all are. Like David, we must rely on God's power to rescue us from our worst selves. With Thanksgiving joyfully dominating this week's calendar, we give thanks that we are beloved by a God who wields the power of mercy and justice. Jesus is clear on that. He says to Pilate, if my kingdom were from this world, 
my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over. Jesus and Pilate both know that fighting, that violence is the way of worldly kingdoms, the way of adherence to worldly power. In fact, as noted earlier, violence and death, that's the source of Pilate's brand of power. And it is the power source that so much of today's world is recklessly tapped into. This week's headlines have included not one but two murder trials, notable for their shockingly aggressive violence, and even worse, for their shocking, faithless assertion that we should all be okay with such aggressive violence playing out on neighborhood streets. Now, people may read these headlines through a political lens or a racial lens, a Second Amendment lens or a judicial system lens, but I am trying to read them through a biblical lens, not just because I'm a pastor with a sermon to preach, but because I'm a disciple struggling to rely on God's power and knowing that the church, the body of Christ, is called to help us all in that effort. These two trials reveal our nation's ease with those who provoke violence. In one trial, a teenager carried a gun across state lines and killed people in Wisconsin. In the other trial, three men hunted down and killed a jogger right here in Georgia. Not only do these trials reveal our nation's ease with violence and death that is Pilate's power source, but I confess that when I hear about these trials, I feel fury and fear slipping into my psyche and into my soul, eroding my ability to rely on God's power and goading me to align myself with Pilate's power. Oh, I don't want to join in pursuing Pilate's brand of power. How I don't want to give those provokers of violence any power over me. Here on Reign of Christ Sunday, on Christ the King Sunday, I do not want to be guilty of giving Jesus a ceremonial crown while pledging allegiance to the kind of power that he opposes. And that's merely the latest reason I'm grateful for the church. The community that is this congregation, that is the body of Christ, the church at its best amplifies Jesus' triumph over violence and death. The church at its best helps us stay mindful of God as the true power source. On the cover of today's bulletin is a photo of the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. You probably know the basics of what happened there in 1965 when non-violent civil rights marchers were attacked by troopers. Like in our gospel reading, it was a meeting of these two types of power. Pilate's power, wielding clubs and tear gas in an assault upon God's power of justice and truth. To be clear, we do not equate the marchers with Jesus, not at all. Jesus is Jesus and nobody else is. 
But as those marchers shunned violence, even as their opponents relied all the more on Pilate's power source of violence and death, even then, those marchers somehow stayed true to God as the ultimate power source. King David knew that God is the ultimate power source, and Jesus most assuredly knew that God is the ultimate power source. And through the church, supported by your generous commitments, through the church, we together can show the world that although we are often goaded to align with Pilate, we know that God is the source of true power. As each of us strives to rely on that power, what a gift that the church, the body of Christ, is here to help us in that effort, because it's not easy. Thank you for your ongoing support of the gift that is this community, where we mature in faith beyond preschoolers' priorities and live out the knowledge that the God of justice and mercy is the true source of our power. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.